Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. We've, uh, we've got reason on a, on a Sunday like this because of what it commemorates where we try to uh, uh, celebrate what Christ did for us by going to the cross and uh, shedding his blood for our sin and then we celebrate his resurrection. Uh, today we'll be talking about that in the course of the message, but uh, it ought to be a special time that we celebrate. So we've got some uh, different elements uh, planned in the uh, service. One, as you can see when you came in, uh, there's a little communion cup that was in each chair. So I hope you found that. Uh, and if not, if you need to avail yourself to that, if you can kindly uh, let us know when we get to that point, we have some more uh, cups available. But that will actually be part of the, the message today as we go through uh, the message. And uh, that's why we decided just to make it uh, readily available to you uh, in that way. Uh, originally, this series that we've been in called Set Apart, we've had 10 messages in it, uh, was supposed to have uh, ended uh, two weeks ago. But uh, wound up having a split one of the messages in half. We had Corey Alley uh, with us last week, who, by the way, Corey's launching a church called Sojourner Church, uh, part of our Easter offering. I'll say more about that uh, near the end, but part of our Easter offering is going to go to help them uh, get launched and up and going as a church. Corey did a great job last week, didn't he? Uh, so we'll have to get him to come back and, uh, and be with us at, uh, at some point in time. But uh, we're supposed to be finished with a series, and then because of, uh, of some things changed in the schedule, uh, I started looking at the last message in the series toward Easter, and, and I kind of decided, you know, it makes a lot of sense because of what I'd already decided on being the last message in the series. It, it really fits really well, I think, on Easter, because what we're going to talk about is this, how you and I uh, need to be set apart through identification with Jesus. Uh, we need to fully identify ourselves with him. He fully identified himself with us, didn't he? He, he took on flesh. He went to the cross. He shed his blood for our sins, uh, took all of our sins upon himself. So he fully identified himself with us, and we need to be willing to identify ourselves with him. So maybe a good Easter question this morning would be this. Are you identified with Christ? And let me kind of unpack that two different ways. If, if you're someone that's never trusted Christ as your Savior, that means up front, you're not identified with him because by faith, you've not placed trust in him yet for what he did for you on the cross. So if you're someone that, uh, you thought you needed to come to church because it's Easter Sunday, man, we're glad you did. We we're glad you're here, but, uh, you need to recognize something. Jesus loved you so much. He died for you. And he wants you to be identified with him. He wants you to choose to identify yourself with him by faith. Now, another part of that question is this. If you already know Christ as your Savior, you may be identified with Christ doctrinally because you know what Jesus did for you and when Jesus died for you on the cross once and forever, when you believed in him, he set you apart to himself. That's a done, finished deal forever. But in a practical way, even though we've been set apart to God as believers, in a practical way, we're supposed to be living our lives more and more set apart to him. More and more trying to be like Jesus, more and more trying to be what he wants us to be. 
uh, in our lives. So that question for you this morning as a believer might cause you to evaluate if you're really living an identified life. Are you really living a, a life that other people would say uh, shows that you're identified with Jesus? So I, I want you to consider those two things uh, this morning as we go uh, through the message. We're going to be in Hebrews 13. And I'm going to read the uh, verses for you. And, uh, and then we'll uh, kind of get into the message in just a few minutes. But uh, the book of Hebrews was written to Jewish believers. Uh, part of Hebrews was kind of approaching it like this. It was showing the, the Old Testament sacrificial system, the things that they practiced in Judaism, and, and how Jesus had fulfilled all those things, all those Old Testament sacrifices. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of that because he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So that's part of the reason why Hebrews is written. Another part of the reason it was written was to uh, kind of help maybe strengthen Hebrew believers who start thinking about, well, maybe, you know, I'm missing some things from Judaism. I'm missing some things from my past. And, and he's trying to encourage them, no, you need to stay identified with Jesus. And that's kind of what the text is about today. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent, it's talking about the, the priest in the Old Testament. <clears throat> those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So there, there are all kinds of sacrifices that took place in the sacrificial system. But on the day of atonement, those that were sacrificed for sin, the priests were not allowed to eat from those animals. They could from the others, but these were sacrificed from sin. They would take the bodies outside the encampment of the children of Israel, or outside, after the temple was built, outside the walls of Jerusalem, and they would burn those bodies. That's why they couldn't eat from them. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp. Let us be identified with him. Let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. And then he goes on, he says, do not neglect to do good. And to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. I I want you to notice three things in this text, three ways maybe in this text that you and I as believers can be more identified with Christ. If you're not a believer, you need to be identified by believing, by, by trusting him for salvation, by becoming part of his family, part of his kingdom. But for those of us that believe in him here on this Easter Sunday, it'd be a good time for us to challenge ourselves and, and ask ourselves, am I really living identified with Christ? So here's three ways that we can do that. First of all, we can be identified with Christ through his table. Identification through his table. I alluded to the Lord's Supper a, a moment ago, uh, but as I'm talking about his table, I'm talking about more than just the Lord's Supper. 
It's great to be able to commemorate and think about all that Jesus did for us when we partake of the Lord's Supper, when we partake of communion, and we were thinking about his body that was nailed on the cross and his blood that was shed uh, on the cross for us. But you see, us coming to his table really means also more than that. Because of what Jesus did for us, we, we can feed at the table of Jesus all the time. We, we can feed upon what he's done for us. We, we have a spot at his table, a place at his table that, that we can come to. We need to identify ourselves through his table, through his table. As you think about that, next slide, guys. As you think about that, as Christians, we need to recognize this. We, we have a table where we have the right to eat. You and I as believers have a table well, we have the right to eat. Yes, the Lord's Supper. But like I said, it, it runs deeper than that. Feeding upon everything that Christ has done for us. And the reason we've got a table, we have the right to eat. Those Old Testament priests didn't have a right to eat those animals that were sacrificed on the Day of Atonement because those animals were burned, as I said a moment ago. They were recognized as, as being unclean and shameful because they died for sin. That's why they burned them outside the camp. But you and I have a right to eat as believers because our altar is Christ and his cross. When the Old Testament, they had that brazen altar there to where they would sacrifice the animals. For us, Jesus himself and him dying on the cross, that's our altar. And we can come to God and we can worship there through faith in Christ. We actually have the right to eat through faith in Christ. We can, we can approach God. We can approach Jesus, all that he's done for us. We, we can feed upon all the elements of, of our faith, not just thinking about the Lord's Supper, but we can feed upon all the elements of our faith through faith in Christ. We have the right to eat. Father, right now we pray you be with us as we, uh, as we experience some, some very special things in this service. Father, speak to our hearts about us having a place at your table. And Father, we pray that you especially help us to think about your body and think about your blood in just a moment as we'll take communion together. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, if you've never taken it in this way, there's, uh, let me give you a little bit of instruction. There's some cellophane on the top that exposes the, the bread. And the Bible tells us that that uh, bread represents the body of Jesus. It's not the body of Jesus, but it's symbolic of the body of Jesus. God loved us so much that he sent his son into the world to have a human body. And that human body was nailed to a cross for us as our perfect once and forever sin sacrifice. So he gave instructions on the night before he was even betrayed that we're to do this. And he said, as often as we do it, we're doing it in, in remembrance of him. So what, what better time to do it than, than at Easter? Would you join me in prayer before we partake of the bread? Father, we thank you that you did love us so much that you brought your son into this world and gave him a body of human flesh, that it was your perfect plan of salvation that he fully once and forever paid for our sins. Father, we thank you that that you cared that much for us. So, Father, right now we want to celebrate and commemorate, Father, this morning what you did for us in Christ. We thank you for this bread that represents his body. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. The Bible says Jesus also took the cup. And the cup, just as the bread was, was symbolic. So is the cup symbolic of his blood that was shed on the cross for us. He, uh, he said it was shed for the remission of our sins. He said it was, was shed for us as payment for our sin. Because he was virgin born. Because he's the son of God. <clears throat> the blood that he shed was not like our blood. It was the Father's blood. It was God's blood that he shed upon the cross as a perfect sinless sacrifice. Father, we thank you for this cup that represents the blood that your son shed on the cross for us. Father, help us right now to, in our minds, be so reflective and so focused upon what Jesus did. We live in a world that has all types of concerns for us. But Father, we we pray you help us right now that we focus upon the blood of Jesus and what he did for us. We thank you for it again. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All those uh, sacrifices in the Old Testament that were a picture of the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus would make. And as I said a moment ago, the, the priest could not feed upon those sin offering sacrifices on the Day of Atonement because they were taken outside the camp and they were burned. They were gone. There's no way to, to feed upon them. But, but you see, for us, that's not true. Because, yes, Jesus is our sacrifice. And, yes, Jesus went outside the camp. And, and, and yes, Jesus was, was crucified. And he willingly gave his life up. And he was put in a tomb and he was buried. But, you see, as those sin sacrifices in the Old Testament were burned outside the camp and then went away, they weren't allowed to feed at that table. Our sacrifice is still alive. Amen. Our sacrifice is still alive. The body of our sacrifice is alive and he'll be for alive, alive forevermore. They thought they were done with him. They, they contrived and everything and uh, did him through a mockery of a trial. And uh, he suffered greatly even before he went to the cross. And then they nailed him to a cross where he suffered there. In terrible ways as he suffered on the cross. And then they put him in a tomb. They sealed it. And they thought they were done with him. But he took his life back up. So he is our sin sacrifice. He, he's the one that died for us outside the gate. Suffered outside the gate for us. And yet he took his life back up. And that's why we are here this morning to celebrate on Easter because he took his life back up. We can feed at his table. We can feed upon spiritually all that he's done for us. Every time we think about what Christ has done for us, we we can feed upon that. We find this story about his resurrection in Luke, one of the gospels that, that tell us about his resurrection. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They, they were going to prepare his body for, for a proper burial. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. By the way, you've heard this before. That was not to let Jesus out, okay? That was so they could see that he wasn't there. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Good reason for that. He's up walking around. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men, which we know as uh, angels from what the rest of the Bible has to say, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, 
Why do you seek the living among the dead? In other words, what are you doing here? You're, you're in a cemetery. You, you look for dead people in a cemetery. He, he's not here. He's not here in these tombs. Instead, he had risen just like he said he was going to. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And that's exactly what happened. But also on the third day arise. And they remembered his words and returned from there, uh, from the tomb. Uh, they told all these things to the eleven and, and to all the rest. Hey, here's one of the main distinctives of Christianity. When you think about, quote, world religions. First of all, let me qualify that. And if you've been around here very long, you've heard me say it before. Christianity isn't a religion. Christianity is a relationship. God reached down from heaven to us. Religion is man trying to reach up to God. Trying to be good enough. Trying to earn his way. That's religion. Christianity is God reaching down to us through Christ. That's what Christianity is for us. But if you go and look at all the other, quote, leaders of, quote, world religions, guess what you can find out? You can find their grave. You can find where they're buried, and they're still there. But if you go looking for Jesus, you can't find him, and here's why. He took his life back up. A few days after that, he ascended. He sat down at the right hand of God the Father. He's praying for you this morning. That's what the Bible tells us. He intercedes for us. We, we have a Savior that's alive, so we can feed at his table. We've got something to celebrate. They, they went away with something to celebrate. They went away with something to tell others. They told all the other disciples, all the other 11, and then they, they start sharing it with, with others, with all the, the rest. We, we ought to do that ourselves. We have something to celebrate because of what Jesus did for us, and we ought to tell other people about it. We ought to spread it around, all that Jesus has done for us. So one way we can identify ourselves with Christ found in our text today is that we ought to identify with him through his table. Not just the Lord's table, but you and I understand because of what Jesus did, we've got a place at the table. We've got a place at the table and we can feed constantly upon what Jesus did for us. But secondly, we can be identified with Jesus if we will through our lives. Identification through our lives. I said in the beginning of the message, and I've said all through this series, that, that you and I, when we trust Christ as our Savior, God once and forever sets us apart to himself. But there's a difference between you doctrinally being set apart and you living a discipleship life. We're getting ready to start a series starting next Sunday on discipleship. It's going to be about a four, maybe five-part series. I'm not sure just yet. But, but God wants us to do that. He wants us to live set-apart lives. He wants us to live lives that are identified with him. And in verse 12 through 14, the Bible said, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the gate. Let us bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek a city that is to come. You and I need to identify ourselves with Jesus. Now you may be asking yourself, why should I do that? How about this? Because of what he did for us. Because of what Jesus did for us. That would be all the reason in the world for us to say, you know what? I ought to identify myself with him. 
He fully identified himself with us. He took our, our body of flesh. He took all of our sin upon himself as he died on the cross. He suffered outside the gate. And, and he didn't just suffer outside the gate. Jesus, whose name means Jehovah saves, whose name means Jehovah's salvation. He didn't just suffer outside the gate. He, he did so for a reason. Yes, he suffered. He literally had painful sensations. He went through terrible torment and pain as he was crucified there on the cross. He, he went through all types of suffering and pain on, on the cross. He, he was vexed. He was even considered to be uh, cursed because of the type of death that he went through in their culture in that day and time. And it happened out beyond them. It's like, it, it's kind of like they were saying, you know what? We're going to crucify you outside the camp. We don't want you to be part of us anyway. The Bible says he came under his own and his own received him not. So here, ultimately, they, they crucify him outside the wall of the city, outside the camp, as though he's, he's been reproached, he's been, been tossed away, more or less, by the people of that day and that time. They crucify him outside the gate. But you see, he did not just suffer. He didn't just die. He did it for a purpose. He did it for a reason. In order that he might sanctify us, we, we've talked about that word sanctify or sanctification all through this series of set apart because that's another way to say sanctify, the word set apart. Well, when God saves you, he sets you apart to himself. And then we need to be living a more sanctified or a more set apart life to God. So Jesus suffered in order that he might sanctify us through his own blood. The purpose of Jesus' suffering, the purpose of Jesus dying was that he could make us holy. He could make us ceremonially pure before God. He could consecrate us and set us apart for his special purposes. Because of what Jesus did in our faith in him, God looks at us as though we're pure, as though we're morally blameless. Jesus died for us to sanctify us through the channel of act of his own shed blood. That phrase, shed blood, was also used sometimes to talk about crushing grapes. A few minutes ago, as we partook of the Lord's Supper, when you peel the foil back, probably when it started to get close to your, to your face, you could smell the juice. And, and then when you put it in your mouth, you could taste the flavor of the juice. Had I just left grapes in here this morning, I said, just put a grape in your mouth and hold it there. Don't bite it. Don't crush it. Just, just hold it there. It's a grape. It's real. Just, just hold it in your mouth. You don't get the aroma and the flavor until what happens? Until it's crushed. Until you bite it. And in a similar way, it's great to know that Jesus is real. Amen? It's great to know that God loves us enough to send his son. Well, we celebrated Christmas. But you and I, if that's all we knew about Jesus, we wouldn't understand the full significance and the full flavor and the full aroma of all Jesus is until we understand something. God crushed him on the cross. He shed his blood on the cross. And when we think about that and when we consider what he did for us, that helps us to more fully appreciate all that God has done for us, more fully appreciate the, the aroma, so to speak, of what God has done for us in Christ. He, he suffered on the cross in order that we might be sanctified, that we might be set apart. Jesus died for us once and for all on the cross. And that was pictured all through the Bible. 
of all types of sacrifices. But here it talks about the sin offering that I've been alluding to in Leviticus 16 and the bull for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place shall be carried outside the camp. Their skin and their flesh and their dung shall be burned up with fire. That's what would happen with the sin offering. Jesus was our sin offering. Jesus bore our sin. Jesus bore our shame. Jesus did that for us. And because of what Jesus did for us, we're talking about why you and I ought to be identified with Christ through our lives. Because of what Jesus did for us, think about what we ought to do for him. Think about what you and I ought to do for him because of what he did for us by dying on the cross for our sins. He became sin. He became shame. He did that for us. So because of what Jesus did, what we should do for Jesus is kind of talked about here in verse 13. Look at what's said in, in verse 13, what we should do for Jesus. Therefore, in other words, because of what Jesus did, because he suffered outside the camp, because he sanctified us with his own blood, because of what Jesus did, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured for we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. I mentioned a few minutes ago when I started the message about part of the reason why Hebrews was written was for Jewish believers and those Jewish believers having trusted in Christ. Sometimes maybe they'd start missing some of the elements of Judaism. And maybe they start thinking in their mind, I, well, maybe I'd kind of like to go back and into Judaism and, and everything. And, and the writer of Hebrews, under divine inspiration, is letting these Jewish believers know, hey, you didn't lose anything. They might be thinking, well, we lost something. We lost the sacrificial system. We lost this and we lost that by coming to Christ. No, they didn't lose anything. They got the full load is what happened. They got the full picture of it, the full effect, because all that Jesus did was a finish of all the sacrificial system. Jesus fulfilled all of that. And one of the reasons that this is written in Hebrews was to let them know when, when you start thinking as a Jewish believer about going back to Judaism, maybe you're being persecuted by other Jews now because you've said yes to Jesus. And when you start thinking about going back to Judaism, the answer for you is no. Don't think about going back. Instead of thinking about going back, you need to instead have this mindset that you're going to go to him. You're going to go to Jesus outside the camp. Jesus died outside the camp of Judaism. He died outside the camp of Israel. And he's telling his Jewish believers, that's the mindset you need to have. Don't worry about being in their camp. Don't, don't worry about, you know, being part of what they want you to be about. You've come to Christ. He fulfilled everything that the Old Testament talked about in the sacrificial system. So you need to be willing to come to him. You need to identify yourself fully with him and quit worrying about Judaism. Quit worrying about maybe how other Jewish believers are treating you now because you're a Christian. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, that's good, but I've never been in Judaism. I'm not a Jew. So how does that apply to me? I think here's maybe how it applies to us. When we come to Christ, sometimes we may start thinking about, yeah, I kind of missed some things out of my old life. I kind of miss some of my old friends I used to run around with. I kind of miss some of the things I used to do. Yeah, I've come to Christ, but you know what? I, I, I'm really thinking strongly about going back to my old life. You see, the Jews were going to go back to their old way of worship. But I think the application for us may be something like that in the world that we live in. And instead of us as believers being kind of 
scared by the culture around us and thinking, well, we're going to let the culture shut us down a little bit. Instead of us standing for Jesus as we should, we, we kind of start thinking about, well, let's revert back a little bit. Let's live a little bit more like the world. Let's live a little bit more like our culture. And the answer for us is the same answer for the Jews. The answer to that is no. We, we shouldn't do that. Instead of thinking about that, we ought to go to him outside the camp. We, we need to go to him remembering all that he did for us. Years ago, I was in a Bible conference. And uh, a man that became uh, kind of one of my mentors, uh, a, a good friend of mine. Uh, some of you might have known him years ago, but Dr. Thad Dowd, uh, Thad at one time, Pastor College Avenue uh, in Lenore for several years. Uh, Thad was my uh, professor in, in Bible college at, at, at one time. He was a professor in New Testament systematic theology and, and, and things like that that I had him for. Thad, and I've told a story a few years ago. Some of you have been here probably remember the story, but it's one of my favorite stories. You just got to listen to it again. I'm sorry. But Thad was a little guy. He had an old age, age uh, thick black hair. Now, I know he was dying it, but it still made me mad it was thick, you know. Brush back. He had the Coke bottle glasses, the kind of glasses that made his eyes, when you looked at him straight on, made his eyes look like they were three times bigger than they were. You, you, you know, those old kind of glasses. That, that's the way his, his glasses were. And he'd tell all kinds of stories. We, we said, Thad, write a book of illustrations from your life. And I don't think he ever did. He, he left College Avenue and he went to pastor uh, up in the direction of uh, Asheville and Hendersonville. Uh, he wound up being a professor at Fruitland Bible Institute. He wound up being the chancellor of admissions at Fruitland Bible Institute. I, I think, unless something's happened recently I've not heard about, it, I think he's still alive. His health's in bad uh, decline, but he's still alive. I was at a Bible conference one time and Thad was preaching. He was preaching the text that we're on this morning. And kind of at the end of the sermon, he, he told a personal story. He said back when he was in high school, he stepped out of the lunch break and he heard this big commotion taking place over the edge of the parking lot. So he thought, I'm going to walk over and see what's going on. When he got over there, there's this old man with a mule, because it was years ago, old man with a mule trying to plow his field. And every time the man would get his mule going, there's some mean old high school boys over there at the edge of the parking lot. They'd yell, whoa! The mule would stop. And that old man would try and get it going again. They'd yell, whoa! So, hey, you got this big argument, this big altercation taking place between this old man and these teenagers outside the school. Dad said, when I saw what was happening... He said, I didn't think twice about it. He said, I jumped over the fence to help that old man. He said, I got over there and got the reins of that mule. And every time they would yell, whoa, the crowd would yell, whoa. He said, I'll just make a little horsey noise and keep the mule going. And he said, before long, we were plowing that field impervious to the shouts of the crowd. Then they had dropped the ball at the end of the sermon. He said, that old man was my daddy. He said he fed me gravy biscuits on his knee when I was growing up. He taught me how to ride a horse when I was growing up. And he said, I didn't think twice about identifying with that old man because that old man was my daddy. You get the point of the story? It was a Bible conference full of preachers that night. It got out of bounds big time at that Bible conference. One of my other professors, I saw him 10 minutes after the service was over. He's a foggy guy. He didn't know where he was. He wasn't expecting a little fat dad to drop that bomb on him. You understand the point he's making? 
You and I need to be impervious to the shouts of the crowd. We need to be willing to identify ourselves with our Father. We need to be willing to identify ourselves with our Lord, with our Savior. We need to be willing to go outside the camp to Him. It doesn't matter what the rest of the world's saying. It doesn't matter how uh, they may be crying out against Christianity and trying to distract us from our faith. Instead, because of what Jesus has done for us, they had jumped the fence because that was his daddy who had fed him gravy biscuits on his knee. That's one of the things that they had said. Hey, I hope you understand this. Jesus has done a whole lot more for us than feed us gravy biscuits. Amen. He went to the cross. He suffered for us. He bled and died. And you and I should not even think twice about identifying ourselves with Christ. We need to fully identify ourselves with Him instead of being distracted by the cries of our culture. We need to ignore the cries of our culture and be identified with Him. And here's a good reason for that. It will be easier for us to be identified with our Father, identified with Jesus, if we recognize this. For here, we have no lasting city. Have you figured that out yet? All the stuff we tie our lives up in, it's going to be gone one day. Well, we don't have a lasting city. The Bible says it's one day going to be burned up in a fervent heat. There's no lasting city in this world. The culture of this world will not last. We don't have a lasting city, but we seek a city that is to come. If we would remind ourselves of that, why in the world do we want to live for our culture? Why live for the world? Why live for the way people want us to live in the world? When what we ought to do is decide we're going to identify ourselves with Jesus, live for Jesus, because that's the only thing that's going to last. It won't last for the things that the world invites us into and wants to distract us and wants us to enter into. We don't have a lasting city here. No matter how beautiful the mansions may be or the cities may be or anything else in this world, it's going to be gone one day. It's going to fully disappear one day. That's why we don't need to live for the world. We need to live for Jesus. Amen? We need to identify ourselves with him. We kind of need to be like Abraham. Hebrews 11 tells us this about Abraham. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Yes, he was saved by faith also, but by faith, Abraham obeyed. We'll talk a lot more about this in this next series on discipleship. I don't see the Bible teaching a whole lot that we just uh, are supposed to believe by faith and then we just uh, sit back on our laurels until we go to heaven. The Bible doesn't call us just to be church members that come to church every now and then. The Bible calls us to be disciples. The Bible calls us to follow Jesus. Just like those little feet are running overhead, we all run after Jesus. <laughs> By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. You know what? If God showed us the whole picture, scare us to death, wouldn't it? By faith, he went to live in the land of promise. And you see, we can do the same thing. There's a land of promise God's given us. We need to be living in that direction. As in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. And here's why. For he was looking 
forward to a city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. That's the way we need to be in our lives as believers. All the world has to offer is going to be gone. But thank God there's a city that's going to last forever. The builder and the designer of it is God. And that's why we ought to willingly identify ourselves with Jesus and quit worrying so much about the world that wants us to live inside the compasses of the world because all that's going to disappear. And if we'd remember that up front, it would help us a whole lot, I think, to identify ourselves with Christ like we should. Thirdly, Another way we can identify ourselves with Christ is this. Identification through our worship. Identification through our our worship. Through Him then, let us continually... doesn't say just let us offer up a sacrifice of praise. Let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good, to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Let me talk a little bit about identifying ourselves with Christ through worship. Two things I think that's clearly pointed out in that text. Our worship involves praise from our lips. Our worship involves praise from our lips to God, to Christ. He said, through him. See, we we can't really do it ourselves. It has to be through him, what he's doing in our lives. Through him, through Jesus. Let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That's the fruit. See, see, the fruit is something that naturally grows on an apple tree or an orange tree. Whatever kind of tree it is, it's going to naturally produce fruit. And you and I as believers, we ought to naturally produce praise on our lips because of what Christ has done for us. Let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. I found a quote by Andrew Bonner two weeks ago when I was working on this message. And it says this. We should be always wearing the garment of praise, not just waving a palm branch now and then. Look, the crowds were excited when Jesus got on the donkey and rode into Jerusalem. Oh, they went and got their palms and they were waving in the air saying, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king. But a few days later, after things got a little bit tough, where were they at? I'm afraid we're like that a lot of times in our lives. We'll... Every now and then, get a palm branch out, maybe on Easter, maybe on Christmas or whatever. Let's, let's give an offering of praise to God and we'll wave it around when what you and I ought to be doing is, is constantly wearing a garment of praise. Constantly giving to Him the praise and worship of our lips. Psalm 69, verse 30 and 31 says, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than any kind of offering that you can bring. Let my prayer in Psalm 141 be counted as incense before you. And the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. You and I as believers, we need to identify ourselves through the fruit of our lips by offering praise to God.
We're not done yet, but I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing again. And it's not the invitation, although it might be the invitation. <laughs> because in the first service, it wound up being the invitation by some people coming at that point in time. And if God tells you to do that, that's fine. Father, we pray right now you accept the praise from our lips. Let it be a fruit that just naturally grows from our lives because of all that Jesus has done for us. Father, we need to identify ourselves through your table. We need to identify ourselves through our lives by by living for you, by going outside the gate, bearing your reproach. And Father, we need to also identify ourselves through our worship. So Father, right now, I accept our praise to you. In Jesus' name I pray. I love that song. I found it online. I was introduced to it by somebody maybe about a month ago. It's by Iron Bell Music. I would suggest you order the CD. It is full of stuff like that. The, the enemy can't take anything that I have. And the enemy can't have me. The only thing the enemy can get is something that I give him. He can't take it. And, and we need to be sure we don't give it to him. We need to give our praise to Jesus. We need to be identified with Christ through his table. We need to be identified through our lives, but us going beyond the walls of this culture and identifying ourselves with him. And we need to be identified with him through our worship. But you see, our worship involves more than just showing up at church and singing songs. Our worship also involves our life. Our worship involves our acts of service. Because he said... Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Thank God we can sing. Thank God we can celebrate. And we all do it all the time, not just Easter, all that Jesus has done for us. But he says, don't neglect to do some other things. Don't neglect to do good. We're not saved by doing good, but because we are saved, we ought to do good. We ought to be living our lives in ways that God wants us to live our lives. We, We ought to be sharing with others because all that's an act of worship not just our singing when you volunteer to do something here at at this church you're you're worshiping god even if you're just in the parking lot pointing where someone can park if you're helping to to teach children which by the way we can always use more of you can see daryl over here if you'd like to volunteer to help teach children but all the all the stuff that we do if we do it for God, if we do it for the right reason, it's an act of worship to God, not just being here, not just in music, not just singing. You living your life is an act of worship. We need to do good for God. We need to do good toward others. We need to share what we have. Inside the updates today, there's an Easter offering envelope. And we've been mentioning this for several weeks. We have a goal of $10,000. If we meet our goal, $7,000, we'll go to help support missions in North America to spread the gospel in North America. 30% of it, $3,000, will go to help support Corey Alley, who was with us last week, preaching for us last week, and Sojourner Church as they launch. You see, what we're doing 
by giving like this, we're sharing with others. <laughs> Through our giving, we can share the gospel with others. But don't just do it like that. You need to share also the gospel yourself with others. But I'm pointing this out at this time in the service because in a few moments as we have the invitation, there's a box up here at the front. If you so feel led, you can come up and you can put your offering in the box or as long as you've got an envelope, if you want to designate whatever you're giving today to this offering, you can also do it when we take our regular offering up. But that's part of our worship also. It's part of doing good. It's part of of sharing with others. And one reason that we ought to have the desire and the willingness to be identified with Christ and to do good and and to, to share with others is the Bible said that was pleasing to God. Will you think about that for a moment? You cannot fully please your spouse. Man, the men are scared to even let on right now. I'm not going to say nothing about that. Ladies, you can't either. We can't fully please our kids. The kids can't fully please the parents. You can't fully please your boss. You can't fully please your neighbors. Uh, you know, and like I said, even the people in your own home, you can't fully please them. The amazing thing is, the Bible tells us we can do things that are pleasing to God. And you and I, by identifying ourselves fully with Christ, doing good, sharing with others, we can please God. And that's the reason why we ought to be so willing to, to please Him. The Bible tells us that we're, we're priests unto God. We've got something to do. We can worship with our lips, but we can worship with our, with our lives as we share the gospel with others. Easter Sunday is a good Sunday for us to ask ourselves, how identified am I with Jesus? As we move toward what we refer to in churches as an invitation time, for you to reflect upon what we talked about today, how identified are you with Jesus? Are you living an identified life? Up front, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I'm going to remind you of something I said first in the message. You're, you're not identified with Christ. Not yet. But you can be. You can trust Him today and be fully identified with Jesus. And be set apart to God for all eternity. But those of us who already know Him, you know, we've got this problem every now and then we don't live like Jesus, do we? We still got this flesh. We still got this fallen world we live in. And maybe this morning, as believers, we need to make decisions to be more and more identified with Jesus go outside the camp stand for him stand with him so two questions this morning have you ever identified yourself by trusting his sacrifice for your sins have you ever identified yourself with Christ through faith if not why not today and if you've done so ask yourself am I living an identified life Ask yourself, am I willing, no matter what our culture is doing or saying, and am I willing to go outside the camp of this world and stand and be identified with Jesus and bear his reproach? Jesus said this once about life and death. John chapter 11, he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. 
Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. That doesn't mean you'll never die in this life. It means you'll never face spiritual death. You were crucified with Jesus. A believer is really already dead. You were crucified with Jesus. And then Jesus said, do you believe this? Do you believe this? So ask yourself today if you really believe this. Father, we thank you for this being a special Sunday that we try to celebrate. Lord, we fall so woefully short in our humanity of fully celebrating all you've done for us as we should. But Father, give us a keen awareness. It's not just at Easter that we ought to celebrate what Jesus did for us. We ought to celebrate it every day of our lives. Help us to be more identified with you. We thank you that we can be identified through your table, that we have a place to eat that those Old Testament priests could not. Because you took your life back up and you're still alive and we can feed upon that spiritually in our lives. Father, help us to be more identified with you through our life. Help us to be willing to stand and go beyond the gate and identify ourselves with you. And Father, help us to be identified with you through our worship, not just the songs that we sing or the words that we say. Yes, we ought to do those things, but Father, help us to go and live an identified life by doing good, by sharing with others. We thank you again for your great love. We thank you again for the great price that Jesus paid on the cross. Speak to our hearts right now and help us to make any decisions that you call us to. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.